Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia, and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi, Mila. Hello. Today's episode, episode 52, is The Sword in the Stone, Part 2, Merlin's Miracle. The synopsis is, with Camelot lost to Morgana, Merlin has to go to extraordinary lengths to restore Arthur's belief in himself. Which pretty much sums up why I called it Merlin's Miracle. They've written this character that cares so much about his friend, and he's willing to actually make a miracle happen to restore his belief in himself. I thought that they did really well with the writing and how they brought Merlin's role into the part of the Sword in the Stone. Yes, we often talk about how this show centers everything that happens to everyone, and especially Arthur, around Merlin. They mean it when they call it Merlin because they really structured even the creation of the sword, the creation of the myth around Merlin. Right. I love it. But I think that you have to be, you have to have really smart writing for us to be able to buy something that we've known in a different way from several other stories. And I think that they do that really well. Totally agree. This is one of their big strengths as writers in this show is taking the big chunks of the legend and then making us believe that Merlin made every single thing happen. This episode also brings up an interesting question for me as a viewer. I love Arthur, but I ask myself, how special is he without Merlin? You know, he's got a good heart, but everything is based on Merlin's belief of him. Right. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, I think that that could be. I mean, Merlin's right. He has a great heart and that is special for a king. We've seen his father. But at this point, this has become a tale for me of how Merlin made King Arthur. Yes. And it's such a big episode. It was so hard for me last episode to bite my tongue when you were like, all that's missing is the dragon. I'm like, Kilgar is going to be in the next episode. I knew that he was. I was like, there's no way that we're going to end this season without the dragon. Also, speaking of last episode, you said it was secretly Agravain's episode and you were totally right because he was about to bite it. I know. I have funny. I have funny notes about that. With that, we need to get into this quickly because it is a packed episode and we pick up right where we left off with them running into the forest. And I mean, to the second. Running through the forest, yes. At this point, I feel like Merlin's gotten really used to dealing with things and being in charge because he's like, I'm going to hang back and cover our tracks. And by that, he means I will summon a dragon to smite this entire army, which is basically what he does. Well, you know. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. Yeah, I just love that he's so casual about like, I gotta take care of this and just has all these people murdered by a dragon. Like, it's no big deal. He gets to the cave and Arthur's like, are you sure you lost them? And he's like, do I look like an idiot? Yes. yes. And here Merlin has a bit of carryover energy from the last episode where he just like doesn't even reply. I don't have time for your jokes. It's like we have a mission here. Yeah. I'm trying to do something here. This whole two-parter has a lot of energy of Merlin being serious and in charge and Arthur not so much. Definitely. I don't have to say this twice that I was very pleased that Kugara is back. I was like, yes, more fire and a dragon. I love Nat's face when he sees the dragon. He's like, oh my God, it's a dragon. Aren't they extinct? Also, it's a very dragony episode because it's not just one dragon. 
Oh my God, I know. Don't even get me started on that. Oh yeah, we have time to rant about that later. Moving on. But so far, part two, more fire. Way more fire. Yeah, last episode you were like, this is the most fire they've ever had in this show. And how did we know it was possible to do even more? There's more. This also continues the trend of Nat getting a lot of fun stuff to do right before he gets killed off and gets into the cave with this giant fire behind him. (gasps) That was amazing. That was amazing. That was amazing. It was so good. I love it. So I don't, I can't say how much I love his scenes in the past episode and this episode. He's not even in this whole episode, but the scenes that he is in are amazing. And he's so good. I'm so happy about it. I love Nat. And like we said last episode, I'm just really, I'm enjoying him being full bad guy in the open, doing all the fun bad guy stuff. And this begins this now classic Merlin stuff of everyone being in the cave and you don't know who's going to run into each other. So it just gets more and more tense. Yeah. And we have Tristan filling his time by shit talking Arthur within earshot. And poor Arthur. I'm just like, can you stop? He's morally just done. Also, like we all might just die right now. Whatever you're thinking about really doesn't matter at this point very moment that we are right here yeah love tristan but does it seem like a good time to be prioritizing shit talking arthur there's other things going on tristan shut up no it really doesn't also bradley does a really good job of playing sad and dejected and feeling bad about himself and i'm like oh come on i know it's like maybe i do suck maybe he's right arthur breaks my heart a bit in this episode So here we have a repeat of what just happened in the forest. Merlin's like, I'm going to go create a diversion, aka kill everybody, which you didn't know it was coming. But all of a sudden, Merlin turns a corner and he's like, oh, hello. I love it. This this whole interaction I love, actually. And here Colin does that thing that we've talked about before, where he has a mental process that you can watch play out on his face. I feel like I can hear his thoughts. Like there's actual dialogue happening where he's thinking... I don't like killing people, but don't push me because I will. So I didn't think that he was going to actually kill Agravine. Yeah, I don't think it's what you'd expect to happen. It's not like he likes killing people, but I do see the struggle in him, especially as it goes further through the scene. The first attack that happens here is Merlin looking at these guys and just a little flick of the head. Like, if you're going to threaten me, I'm going to stop you. And everybody dies in that first attack except for Agravain. I was like, first of all, right before this, Agravain goes, where's Arthur? It's like, whatever. Tell me or I'll have to kill you. Merlin just goes, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think you're going to kill me. Yeah, we've had this energy building for Merlin now where he's like, Arthur is broken inside and I can't take it anymore. I can't deal with you. I'm not playing nice anymore. I can't play meek. And... This ends now. I love, I love, first of all, I love that. I was like, well, he's not playing. Like just one tiny, tiny movement of his head. And in my notes, I have, whoa, with all caps. I was like, that was more, way more powerful than I was expecting. Yeah, Colin here is playing very powerful and also very angry and scary. Like, I'm going to end you if you push me, Merlin. Yeah. So when Agravain comes to and says, you have magic, duh, 
and then realizes he's Emrys, and I'm like, well, he's been under your nose the whole time. So I'm going to take you step by step on my notes because I didn't know what was going to happen. I go, OMG, Egravain just find out that Merlin is Emrys. And then the scene continued a little bit, and then there's an arrow being like, not surviving on Agravine. I was like, I don't think that he's going to survive this. But I, while the scene was going on, I realized that he was going to die. Like not before, like not at the beginning when this started, but as it was playing out, I was like, Arrow here, I don't think he's going to survive. Yeah, it's uh, the, the more the scene goes on, the more it becomes unprobable. Like, hmm, doesn't seem like he's going to make it. It's kind of that moment where the kidnapper's like, you've seen my face, so now you have to die. And then Agravain says the line that makes me go, yep, kill him. Do it. Do it now. Oh, I know. I have, I have it written down, obviously. It's the same. Yeah, I mean, Nat just plays it in that way of just being so slimy and terrible and enjoying it and kind of wanting this to be someone being bad it's that stuff that we hate about this character where he just wants people to be bad at their core and that's why he loves Morgana where he says oh how you've deceived him and then ends it with maybe we're more alike than you think and then what happens here is my most rewound scene of this whole show I'm obsessed with everything about how they shot this the blocking the camera angle the way that it's just Agravain almost gets there with the dagger and Merlin just with the hands that push and the cut to the side wide shot. Oh my God. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is really good. I'm just so obsessed with this cut to this wide shot and just the, the slow-mo and it's so much and I love it too much and I'm obsessed. The shot's my favorite. It is endlessly satisfying. I mean... I have to say that I think that these two episodes, these part one and part two, are the best, have the best action shots of the entire series. I mean, I didn't see the last season, but it is so freaking good. Of course, the director is none other than Alice Troughton, and she's done other episodes before. I mean, she's responsible for that sword fight, that last sword fight Uther has that's inspired by Princess Bride and Errol Flynn, which I loved. Often when we want to talk about who the director is and we want to point it out, it's her. When they stand out, the episode stands out, it ends up being her. So good. Anyway, this shot just stands out so much. It does. And him dying with his eyes open is also great. Because it leaves no question to whether he's just passed out or actually dead. I was like, well, he's just dead. I feel kind of bad because I feel like I got my wish. I just kept saying go die when he would do annoying stuff. And now he's dead. It's a mixed bag because we get to celebrate the end of Agravain, But we have to say goodbye to Nat. And I love Nat. Especially in these moments where he got to be a baddie. Yeah, I know. I think I would have enjoyed having a few more episodes of Agravain being the outwardly bad guy. Because it was really fun. I think so too. I agree. At least he got to go out like this. It's one of my favorite shots of the whole show, so it's very memorable. It's not bad. It's a, it's a good way to go. At this point, I had this thought of, like, what would happen if Arthur just, like, came up behind Merlin and saw him next to all these dead bodies? Like, what the hell just happened here? What is going on? What just happened? Merlin was like, I don't know. They were already dead when I got here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what would happen. He'd be like, yep. I don't know. I found them this way. 
strange. So weird. And then zero follow-up. Just like, okay, anyway. Uh, we do cut to Arthur. It's like, this is taking too long. I'm really, really worried. He's so worried. So worried. Classic Arthur. And Tristan's like, I don't get it. And we're just like, you're not from Camelot. It would take way too long to explain. You just got to the gang, okay? Just chill out. Like, look, these two are borderline codependent. Just let it go. You don't, you don't understand the dynamics. You really don't. Just stop. Don't, don't intervene here. When Arthur does get to Merlin, I love this scene between them. This whole... Colin's playing it confused. Like, what are you doing here? And Arthur basically tells the truth. Uh, you're my only friend and I would be devastated if you died. And then is like, just kidding. I don't mean that. Uh, ha ha ha. He goes, you're the only friend I have. I couldn't bear to lose you. He's like, don't be stupid. And I'm like, yeah, that was... I know that you tried to like fix it at the end so you didn't feel like you shared too many emotions, but we know that that was true. Yeah, it just happens to be 100% what is in Arthur's heart. Yep, in his head at the moment. <laughs> yeah, he's just doing that. Ooh, I said a feeling. Take it back. Rewind, please. We cut back to Camelot to find that Morgana's moved on to having Wayne fight shirtless now for no reason, and that uh, Gaius is dying. So, yay. Can I pause and ask a quick question before we go back to Camelot? They get to the other side of this, like, cave or whatever, right? Where did Arthur get all of these clothes? Where is the chainmail? Where did the chainmail come from? Every time that I see Arthur in this episode, he's with an extra piece of armor that came out of nowhere. <laughs> no, this is actually my bad because this started back in last episode where I forgot to bring up when they got to Eldor. All of a sudden, I was like, where the fuck did this chainmail come from? They had nothing on them. They ditched everything. What is going on? Yes. They were not carrying a bag. They were not carrying a bag. And Agravain was like, oh, look at this. The clothes of Arthur. And I'm like, yes, we see it. And if anyone's ready to message me right now on our account to tell me that they had chainmail in the Eldor, no, they didn't. We know that. Oh, please get over yourselves. I'm really glad you brought it up because I saw it and I was like, I forgot to complain about that in our last episode. I was like, hey, I literally put just like, quick cue. Where did this come from? I mean, uh, let's just move on. But I just wanted to point that out because it didn't go unnoticed. Okay, everyone? I'm good to let it go. I just want everyone to know that we, we saw that. Oh, I already let it go. But I did see it and I'm going to point it out. <laughs> So yeah, back at Camelot, the opposite trick is happening, which is much easier. Gwen is losing clothing, uh, which no one ever objected to ever, and we're not going to nitpick at all. No. And Gaius looks like he's dying, so I was wondering if you thought he might actually bite it, because a lot of unexpected things already happened. It was looking pretty bleak at, the, at some points there. I, yeah, well, not not at this moment, but... Literally later, when there's like a little speech of Gaius, I was like, oh, you don't you die on me right here. I don't accept this. Not today, Gaius. Not today. Agravain already died. That's okay. We just leave it at that. Back in the forest, Tristan is still talking shit about Arthur, at which point I'm like, okay, let's cool it now. I'm like, I don't understand what's the purpose of this. I mean, for the character of Tristan, it's just a bitch. 
don't understand the purpose. Right. For the writers, it's like, do they understand that Arthur doesn't believe in himself yet? They, let's just drive it home. And then Gwen just tries to talk to him. And I don't think you could see this coming because he was being so tender with her last episode. He was like, nope. I was like, why are you being an asshole? Yeah, he's all like, I'm not getting back together with you. First of all, no one said that. Second of all, you already made your mind up like three months ago that you will be getting back together with her. What are you talking about? Also, I I just, it annoys me that he says that it was a moment of weakness what happened in the outdoor. I was like, oh, that is such a shitty thing to say. Which is total bullshit anyway, because then what was dumping Mythian in front of the entire kingdom? She doesn't know about that, but, you know. <laughs> no, but we do. I guess this is all supposed to be pointing to Arthur's feeling really badly about himself, so he can't handle this stuff right now. Oh, yeah, that's, that's exactly how I took it. You can't, he can't even love himself because he's doubting himself. How can he show love for another person? 100%. But still, what a dick. Oh, also, I love Gwen's outfit. So good. With the fur? Yep. It's so cute. I kind of want to wear it, as long as it's fake fur. Yes, yes. I mean, there's fake fur that looks like real fur. It's pretty amazing. If you get good quality, you don't have to get real fur. You just get fake one, and it looks beautiful. It totally is. And we're going to take a stand as a podcast. Uh, there's no need to do that. No, no. To poor little no. animals. Just no thank you. Really? Back to this romantic disaster. Uh, I don't know. I understand that Arthur is going through something and that's the point of the episode. But I don't feel like Gwen was like trying to make out with him or anything. She was just trying to go to him because he seemed sad and looked like he needed a pep talk. That's what I thought also. So instead we get what I'm here for and so happy to have a, a Merlin and Arthur heart to heart. And it's very sweet. And it's Merlin trying to make Arthur feel like he is special because Arthur says, I'm not special. And Merlin is doing his friend thing. I mean, Arthur says, every decision I made has been wrong. I mean, can I really say that he's wrong? Not really. It's not every decision, but you know, many of your decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not going to say Arthur always makes the right decision because a lot of the time he doesn't but really his issue is the blind spot he has when it comes to his judgment around family it's not that he's always wrong about everything he's really wrong about this one thing and lets it you know cloud over everything else as well right his judgment for family members is quite poor quite poor and that's what we're dealing with, the Arthur fatal flaw, his judgment of other people, especially family. And he's definitely being too hard on himself. It doesn't mean you're not special. It doesn't mean you're not a good king that you can't learn. He's still quite young. You learn through messing all this stuff up anyway. So, you know, he's just gotten to the lowest low he's going to sing to, but he doesn't have to go all the way to I'm terrible and I shouldn't be king. Yeah. I do think it's a really realistic scene of someone who's having self-doubt and the friend who just sits with them. I think so too. Now the real question is, were you expecting what happened next? Because Merlin goes for a second round of dragon time. No, I just have full moon, Kilgara heart. 
Yeah, this is where you texted me and you sent me a dragon emoji, a full moon emoji, and a fire emoji. And I'm like, well, that's a Merlin text if there ever was one. And it's just like an episode of Merlin in a text. I couldn't help myself. It was great. This is funny because Merlin doesn't really need to talk to Kilgara. He's just doing that thing where you need to talk out loud to somebody to figure your stuff out. And he's just having his thoughts out loud to Kilgara. Doesn't need anything from him besides that. It's basically a therapy session with a dragon. Seriously. And he's like, look, I've become Arthur's therapist. Arthur is depressed, so I need a therapist now. Right. Exactly. So... This is where we start to get the plan, and I guess because I've spoiled it with the title of the episode, The Sword and the Stone, you saw it coming. So I didn't know in this show, Merlin makes up this story, so Arthur believes it. I didn't know that that was going to be what he was going to do, to make up a whole story. But I love that Kugara came and said, once again... The fate of Camelot rests in your hands. Like, wow. How many times did you say that? Yeah. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I think we got that by now. And I mean, I knew we end this scene knowing that Merlin has to convince Arthur that he is the true king, that he will be a good king, that he is fit to be a king. I didn't really know how. Yeah, it's not predictable. Right. And I liked... The choice of Merlin creating the story. I like the fact that he told the story while walking to the rock. And obviously I love the fact that Kyogara helped find everyone who was still alive, who fled Camelot to send it to that place. Yeah, he can only help so much though, because being a dragon, that means that he can find them but not get close because everyone will be like, ah, dragon. So he has to find them, report back to Merlin, which means Merlin's been awake all night once again, getting everything ready and getting everyone where they're supposed to be. Correct. I thought the same thing. I was like, you definitely went in the middle of the night and said, hey guys, meet me here tomorrow morning. Bye. Just walked away. (laughs) Totally. And then went and... I feel like he woke up Arthur at the butt crack of dawn and I do like the decision that they're just going for a walk and he's telling a story and doesn't try to prepare Arthur at all for what's about to happen to him and on the way he just has to tell Arthur a couple times will you just listen and let me tell the story yeah there's one line that he's like for once in your life just listen he's like yep that's a good idea Yeah, just please listen. And I like that they made Merlin good at this for once. He's really good at making up a fictional story about Bruta, the first king of Camelot, who is Arthur's ancestor somehow, even though Uther had to win Camelot for himself. I'm not going to nitpick it. I'm just going to keep going. But it's a good story. He's very good. I believe this story. Totally. And we get to the important part of the story, which is... Only a true king of Camelot can pull the weapon free. And I do love Arthur's incredulity at the whole thing. And he's like, are you making this up? Which is just a great joke to the audience where we're like, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And Colin gives this great look of like, no, of course not. Yes. It's great. And then they come up on the stone and there's a collection of shots that is so intricate. There's so many probably all on different days. 
they are for sure different days because there's are they really outside yes yeah they're most definitely outside i just don't know some of the close-up shots in other episodes i've heard them being in a parking lot near some trees to get a close-up of colin for one of these yes yeah so they could be anywhere for some of the shots obviously the wide shots of forest with the whole setup of the sword and the stone but the lighting in every one of these shots is so beautiful so magical and it just reminds me of the cartoons when you have that one beam of light coming down on the sword and the stone yes dale just once again has worked magic because it's that stunning but it also just really looks natural and real and just can't get over how beautiful the lighting is during this whole scene. And I look up to DP so much. That job is so freaking hard. And Dale does an amazing job. Yes, I do have a three love, 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 love this scene. Because it's so good. So good. And then Sir Leon walks up with everybody. And this is why I kind of like that they hit him for a while. Because it kind of feels like a payoff when he walks up. And I'm like, yay, it's Sir Leon. And Arthur's reaction of, what have you done to me? is just so funny to me. Yes, Arthur's like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to fail and you brought an audience. Why? Oh, totally. I'm on Arthur's side because his reaction is dead on. You, you have to think about it from his point of view. He has no frame of reference for who Merlin is outside of his klutzy servant who he loves. And he's his best friend, but still a klutzy idiot. And... He's like, I'm 100% going to fail at this, and you brought people. Yeah, but he has said that about lots of monsters that attacked Camelot, and they still attacked Camelot. So, you know, a little, a little faith goes a long way here, Arthur. And it does, though, because that's what I love about the scene and what it means for each character. For Arthur, it's really a leap of faith on just going on Merlin's word here. That in front of all his subjects, he's going to try to pull a sword out of a stone. But the real beauty of it for me is that Merlin doesn't do the trick when Arthur's trying so hard because he just wants him to believe in himself more than anything, which is why this scene totally makes me cry. It's really good. And it's I love there's like a little dialogue that I love that Arthur goes, the sword is stuck solid in stone. And then without a beat, without even thinking, Merlin just responds, and you're going to pull it out. And it's so good. It's just so good. It is. And it's the continuation for me of that question. What makes Arthur really special? And that someone like Merlin would believe in him so much that he would go to these lanes to make him believe in himself too. And that's what Merlin keeps saying. You have to believe it. You have to believe it. Yeah. And it's so good. So good. And then the shot of him just taking the sword out of the stone. Wow. First of all, he goes with both hands and I'm like, there's no way that this is the grip that the sword is going to come out. I'm like, of course, it's like this. You guys can't see me, but like your hand is upside down and you pull it out and then you just one hand sword. It's amazing. It's so perfect. They did it perfectly. And yeah, you want to take it out one handed. So then you're having the sword raised up with your one hand. It's perfect. It's a collection of beautiful shots one after the other. And then we have a long live the king <laughs> right at the end there. Yeah. And of course, what better time than this emotional high to cut back to Camelot and remind you that Morgan is here in charge of things. You know, we talked about last week about how sad it is that she treats Agravain the way she does and how sad it is for him. Helios comes in to tell her that Agavain's dead. She doesn't even pause on it. 
for one second and she's like, Emrys is coming. You bitch. She didn't care. Like, this is the proof that she did not care about anything. She didn't care about Agravain. She just didn't care. She doesn't. And she's uh, she's the worst because she can't even think about this man who just went to his death for her for one second. No, she's just like, hmm, that must mean Emrys is on his way. And that's all I care about. And she starts to freak out pretty fast. I mean, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. Back in the forest, we have a little meeting, and uh, all I can say is that loyal Sir Leon is loyal, and I love me some loyal Sir Leon. So good. I mean, what else? What else do we? What else do we expect here? What else? I love it. I love it so much. I love that they've written this really solid character that the audience can emotionally rely on all the time, always, forever, and. I love this line from Arthur. Then to the mouth of hell it is. It's like, oh, that's nice. It is. Gotta love it. They're ready to fight. Arthur's got his spirit back. And they wrap it up with a quick little Azold pep talk to Gwen of don't give up. And Gwen's like, I don't know. It's pretty bad. It's like, you just, again, you just got here. You don't know the whole story. It's pretty bad. At this point, I don't think that you can have any hope for them getting back together during this episode. I agree. Then Arthur stops to say, I can fight an army of men. I don't mind that. We'll take care of it. But I don't have anything to fight Morgana with. And this is when I have to say, this is obviously why you need a court sorcerer to do good magic to fight bad magic. And stop learning the wrong lesson, which you know he's going to learn the wrong lesson again this time around. So at this point, I really thought that they were going to find out about Merlin. Yeah, I definitely was watching this with that microscope of having the podcast to think about. And I was like, no, yeah, this was it. This was when they should have told Arthur. Yeah. It's not that I don't enjoy what's about to happen because I love me some Emerus. And it does continue this trend we've had in these two episodes of Merlin's had enough. He's he's done playing like he doesn't have the power and he's reached full power. I feel like at this point, he's got a handle on all of it. He keeps facing everything head on because he knows he can do it. And you don't know what's coming in the future and what actually happens. But as someone who does, I'm going to say this is when it should have happened. He should have found out now. And I'm not even saying tell him verbally. I'm saying go into Camelot and magically beat the crap out of Morgana with your own face. Right. That's what I thought was going to happen. I was like, oh, okay, so this is it. Like, this is the battle at the end of this season where everyone finds out. That's what I thought. Yeah, if I could change one big thing in the show, this would be it. They would find out now. Wow. Wow. And to be perfectly honest, I would change two things in this show. Uh, I do feel like changing this would affect that. But yeah, two things. This is part A. Part B you'll see later on. But anyway, that's not what they do. So... Emrys shows up and you know it's me so I love it I love it because it's Emrys and I love that when Emrys or Dragoon are around there's a lot of shots of his shoes because Merlin's shoes are about as recognizable as a neckerchief and everyone should be able to recognize him based on his shoes they should be like hey aren't those Merlin's shoes you know yeah I guess I mean I love also that he's just 
flicking people off. He doesn't even look. It's like, I feel you behind me, whatever. Like, I'm in full control of my powers and I don't really have to do a... It's not a lot of effort as it was before. I can just... I'm a minute. I'm like in control right now. Yes. I, that's what's so exciting about the character of Merlin in this episode is that he's so in his power. He's so self-assured. He can go face entire armies, aggravate whoever by himself with a dragon, call a dragon, just flicking people around. And that one flick with that guy behind him, so great, so funny. I love that. Love that. Yeah, they never miss an opportunity for any version of old Merlin to be funny. And then he does a spell, which you don't know what it is. Yes. Which is fun. That is fun. I guessed what it was. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if I did. I don't remember what I was thinking when I saw this the first time, so I have no idea if I got it. And he's able to turn himself back from old Merlin to young Merlin without a potion for the first time that I can pinpoint. So really, he's in full control. He doesn't need the help anymore. Right. I guessed, I was thinking about it, I guessed that, I guessed what he was going to do. And I guess that that's what he was going to do, that that's what that spell did, because I knew that he wanted Arthur to defeat Morgana himself. Right, because that is always the point. The entire episode, everything is to hold Arthur up, to make Arthur believe in himself, to just make him internally believe that he can do things, even though, again, wrong lesson. Yes. Which also, again, is why this episode's kind of about how special Merlin is, because most people wouldn't go out of their way to make somebody else feel good about themselves this way. So it's really this special character they've written who's just got this soul that wants to give to people. Yeah, there's nothing in it for himself because he's not even telling people that he has magic. So what's the point? Yeah, he could beat the whole army by himself, but he's going to give the win to Arthur. In the morning, Merlin is what I'm guessing is tired and excited. Uh, Arthur's like, you look like shit. Well, yeah, he hasn't slept. So there you go. He's like, yeah. He's like, I thought that you trusted me. He's like, what? <laughs> Who said that? I never said that. That's a great little throwaway of like, who said that? That was me. Yeah, it's like, who, what gave you that impression? It's not what I said. And then we get that Tristan and Isolde are going to fight by Arthur's side. Arthur has finally earned Tristan's respect. And then Gwen takes a second to be like, I love you, I've always loved you. I'm going to go now. Bye. She really, and I love this scene. I love it because she's like, I will not give you the chance to humiliate me or hurt my feelings. I'm going to say what I have to say. Then I said what I said, and I'm going to walk away from you. And that's what she does. And I really admire that. Yeah. And Arthur's like, okay. Gwen is like, I never once stopped loving you. Never once. You think about that now. And she walks away. She's like, I said what I said. Good day, sir. I said good day. It's not like Arthur, even if you gave him 10 hours of sitting there, could deal with that Im amount of emotional honesty. Honestly. And now it's time for battle. And I love all the stealthy fun stuff. I love Percival just throwing people around. It's great. It's fun. It's campy. And it's good action. I'm like, Percival, Tristan, and Isolde are the, is the badass trio that I want for the rest of my life. I was like, let's just make a show with these three people. And then we're going to be good. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they could take the entire castle, which is the three of them, and we could just do a spinoff. I love that there's this big dramatic, for the love of Camelot, and they storm into the room, and the decision was to play it totally awkward with her just sitting on the throne being like, took you long enough. Just like, hey, I, here's my note. Every time I see Arthur, he has one extra piece of armor. Because now he has this shoulder plate. Where did that come from? Maybe Sir Leon gave it to him. One of the knights gave him theirs. Sir Leon doesn't have that. Nobody has that. Only Arthur has that. <laughs> Stop making up stuff, Sonia. I know. It's It came from nowhere. It's insane. It's like they like sneaked into the armory room. They were like, ooh, look at this. Yeah, they were like, ooh, let's stop by the armory first. Or when um, Merlin was crawling around his embers, he grabbed it. Whatever. That could be possible, I guess. Not really, though. It doesn't make sense. But then, no, because how would Merlin be like, hey, I got this from the castle from you? Like, you're supposed to be asleep in the forest. Oh, yeah, I just made a pit stop by the castle. Uh, right. It just makes it even funnier to me that Merlin took all that time to go back and forth in the castle and no one realized he was gone. And Arthur was like, you look like you haven't slept. Like, no, he hasn't. Honestly, I also love the back and forth between slow motion and a little bit fast forward. Do you know that kind of like it, everything slows down and then it gets like normal speed and then it gets a little bit faster and then it slows down again. I love that. I love. I think that works so well in action shots. It's so good. All the action in this episode is so great. Alice did a fantastic job, and whoever the stunt coordinator, second unit person was, great, great. It's my favorite. Yeah, and they even take the right moments to pause for a funny bit. It's all really well done, and especially needing to believe that they're doing this on the download because they're outnumbered like three to one. Right. So yeah, the bells go off, of course, for the love of Camelot. We enter the room, Morgana's like, hey, and it's totally awkward. It's like just sitting sideways on the throne. She goes, hello, brother. I was like, oh, you're weirdo. Yeah, way to be creepy, always. I just wish she would be like, hi, crazy person. And I love this, this shot of uh, Katie and Bradley face to face. It's so yummy. Very good, very good. And this is what is special about Arthur, I don't want people to walk away from this episode thinking that I don't think Arthur is special. I do, but it's more of his qualities as a person. You take that and you add Merlin and it makes him really special and enough to be the great king he's supposed to be. And I love that they write him in this scene with compassion and empathy for Morgana. Because he says to her, what happened to you? I have that line written down too. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And more than anything, he's just hurt because he loved her. And they have this really chill argument of, you're like dad. No, you're like dad. And it's like, yeah, okay, a little bit of both. And you both loved him. Well, I really do, right. I really do love when she says, you're not as different from Uther as, you like th as you'd like to think. And he responds, nor are you. And she is so mad. She's so mad that he said that. Oh, yeah. I mean... Who better to understand daddy issues than Arthur? And she makes Arthur's daddy issues look like child play. But yeah, this goes back to that episode, his father's son, where at least Arthur has empathy and openness and can try to understand magical people. She's got all the Uther hatred plus. Yes. She's more like the bad parts of Uther. Uther did have some redeeming qualities. Yeah. I mean, she has no redeeming qualities because... 
The only good thing she says is magical people deserve rights. I'm like, yeah, but not by killing everybody else. Yeah, we saw that last episode. Even Agravain was surprised and then you're like, wow, you're really bad. Yeah, like, sure, magical people need rights, uh, but maybe we don't starve the farmers for no reason. They're just sitting out there living. And their children, you know, just a thought came into my head. Yeah, I mean, what did they do? What's their crime? They were born there? Like, that's not a reason to do that. I mean, I understood, I understood the reasoning that she was saying. If they starve, they will recognize me as their queen. Who cares? Like, really? Yeah, they'll totally recognize you as the person who can starve them. At least Arthur's the way better person and tried to have a conversation, and this is when we get the reveal that she has no magic. Yes. Katie played it so well that I felt like a hint of sympathy for her to have all her power gone. So I didn't really understand only if she could not say the spells because the voices were in her head, like the voices of the little... Mm, the mandrake. Uh, to me, she temporarily has no magic. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, we have no real details. It's not like we even know how long it lasts, if it's just the amount of time she slept over the mandrake root or whatever, but I have no clue. Right, right. I do love the shot of Colin, just Merlin, enjoying himself. Like, mm, yeah, I'm proud of myself. That was me. I did it. Yep, it worked. Also, what a great line. Not so powerful now, milady. It's good. So... Merlin and Gwen go after Morgana, which leaves us with a great Tristan and Isolde and Arthur fight scene in the council chambers. I love this so much. The fight between Arthur and Helios is amazing. The choreography is amazing. It's amazing. And they are going at it for real. Yeah, Terrence Maynard really went for it. And I don't know if it was stunt guys in the wide shot, but... It all looked great. Every single shot, they really went for it. It looks great. Still, such a great job. And then, I don't know if you saw it coming, poor old bites the dust, another character death in this episode, which she wasn't a main character, but I don't know, it would have been nice to see her again. I didn't really see that coming. Yeah, I mean, it's a plot device. It's going to serve its purpose. But meanwhile, uh, we get another one of those hallway shots. I told you we didn't get it again, and we get it with Morgana, which is amazing because the hair makes it amazing. <gasps> with the hair? Oh my god, it's so great. It's so great. Yeah, that hair in slow-mo is something to behold. I was like, I have, guys, I have very long hair. My hair, is, I haven't cut my hair in a year. It's a pandemic, everyone. Um... And it's down to my waist at this moment. So I'm dying to have any kind of slow-mo scene with that kind of hair situation. Yeah, your hair would look awesome in a slow-mo. And her dreads just look so cool flopping around. I love it so much. And then she rounds a corner and it's time to bring back something we haven't done in a while. Shit-talking G.O.T. Because they think they're so clever. They did that shot with Daenerys with the dragon wings behind her. And I know this is just a tapestry, but this shot of her with the tapestry is great i love it with the wings whatever i was like come on i saw the tapestry yes i mean yes the game of thrones one is more epic because it's a dragon it's moving it's amazing yes, yes. but guess what merlin did it first so i kind of feel like we can say here that they stole it from them it is. And I'm not saying they did steal it. Don't get mad, anyone. I'm sure other people have thought about these things. It's been done before. Merlin isn't 100% original. We know this. I just think she looks great. The hair, the tapestry, all of it. She looks terrifying. 
you know, I thought that that was really cool. I didn't understand that as a hint because I would not be able to guess what happens at the end of this episode, not in a million years. Oh, totally. Because she has nothing to do with dragons at this point. No. Anyway, this shot, the hallway shot before, this is the, the episode of a million great shots. Thank you, guys. And then Gwen and Morgana have a legit sword fight, which is amazing. And how did you feel about this? How excited are you? Because, and I, I kind of love this. I kind of love that they, throughout the whole series, they showed us that Morgana actually knew how to fight with a sword. Because at this moment, she really needs this skill. And it's there. And it's not that showed up out of nowhere and we're like, wow, out of nowhere she knows how to fight? No, this has been established seasons ago. A long time ago, it's been established that she can handle a sword. Yeah. I love it. It's great setup. It's great execution that they did it. And then she doesn't have chainmail and she's not the number one fighter. So she does get injured in the hallway, which makes it believable that Gwen can also try to fight her now at this point. Yes. And then Gwen says, why do you hate me so much? And she says, it's what you're destined to do. Well, if she's destined to do it, then just let it go because it's going to happen. That's why it's called destiny. Duh. And then Merlin sends her flying. And I mean, all the power in the world that Merlin's got right now really just sends her sailing. Like half of the castle falls down. And Gwen is like, what happened? Yeah, I'd expect that from Arthur, but not from Gwen, which is why the reveal should have at least happened with Gwen. He's like, hmm. I don't know. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Basically, Merlin's like, I don't know. I just happened to be standing behind you. Weird, right? She's like, yeah, totally weird. Let's just move on. Like, guys, come on. Not Gwen, too. So I thought that this was the moment that Gwen was going to find out. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Arthur's not going to find out this episode. Gwen should find out. Somebody should find out. It's season five next episode, and only one person knows the same person who's known since episode one. This is the second opportunity that they missed with Gwen. Totally. It should have happened before. It should have happened now, at least. They're really starting to drag it on too long, and I don't know if it's that fear of changing the format up too much, but it's time. I was like, somebody else has to find out at the end of this season, right? Come on, just one extra person. One extra person. I mean, I agree with you. And we lost Lance like a long time ago now. So we went down in the amount of people who know from season one. So someone should find out. And if it's not Gwen, at least make it Gwen. Like Gwen still doesn't know. Yeah. One other person other than Gaius. Yeah. Anyway, back at the council chamber, uh, Azold has died and it's serving its purpose. Arthur really understands he needs to be with Gwen. I mean, at this point, Arthur's choices are hold on to your grudge or try to find some happiness with Gwen. You can only have one of those. Yeah, there's no other way. Poor Tristan has had his whole life used as a plot device. So sad for that character. Sad. I just wish that Merlin could have saved her with his healing powers. Like, uh, I wanted them to be together. And I believe that he could have saved her, which is the problem with keeping the secret now. At this point, it's getting in the way of him doing his real job, which is to be the court sorcerer, which he's just doing behind the scenes all the time. Yeah. And look, I love this episode. It's a great episode. I just really can't believe that they went into season five at this point with nobody knowing. Don't disagree. In Arthur's room, Gwen is looking adorable in this dress. It's like an update of the dress that she was wearing before she got banished. Yep. 
This is when Arthur tells her to stay and my brain can't help itself. And I think about the American office when Dwight and Andy are fighting and he says, shun, reshun, unshun, reshun. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. And Gwen's all like, I'll leave. And it's like, no, no, no. Impromptu wedding proposal. No, the, the, the thing wasn't that he proposed. The thing is that the wedding happened at the end of this episode. That's what surprised me. Oh, yeah. I mean... The wedding was the shocker. It's like they didn't fit enough things in this episode already. But the proposal's also surprising. You get that that with all my heart and the backlighting and the music, like every other Gwen and Arthur kiss. But even more surprising is that we don't even get a wedding. We get her coronation scene next. She's already married. She's queen now. And yeah, they spring it on you. Yeah, Everyone is looking pretty fancy. I love it. Okay, it is a crime against this audience that they waited four seasons to put Merlin in a real medieval jacket. I know, I know. It it stood out so much to me. Oh my god, I love it so much and I wanted this to be his new costume. (laughs) I say it in my notes, Merlin looks so fancy and I love it. I mean, he could be in his normal stuff when they're running through the forest, obviously, but if he were the court sorcerer, he would wear this. I would like... Also... This just happens to be the exact look that's missing from Arthur's closet, apparently. Who is why in his coronation, he's chewing Gmail. (laughs) I I don't know why. Why? Doesn't he have a nice jacket? I have no words to defend this anymore. It's just got too much. He legitimately wore less chainmail when he was just the head knight and the crown prince. What the hell? There's no way that any knight would wear chainmail on his wife's coronation. It's just, I will, you guys, everyone, go back to like medieval pictures, not pictures, but paintings. You know what I mean. <laughs> yes. And look, nobody's wearing Jamie. And if you find a picture, send it to us. Please. And I just, uh, one last time, obsessed with this Merlin look. I love this jacket so much, or doublet, or whatever it is. So beautiful. And we finally get to hear the words, Guinevere, Queen of Camelot. Ta-ta-da, finally. And they kiss, and there's a gigantic camera angle cheat. Uh, you saw it, but it was it was worth it. It is worth it. Yeah, because let's be honest, Gwen and Arthur are kissing, so we need it to be backlit. And those windows in the Great Hall are amazing. So instead of keeping the camera where it was, we cheat and we move them so the window's behind them not the audience it is it's definitely not the same <laughs> if you want to match scenes that you just shot it's not the same but you know it is the right decision it's important in filmmaking and everything else in life to know the rules and then break them willingly and i believe that's what they did here they know they've fudged the angle they know that they were not facing that way one time and then they were facing the different way the other time but rules should always be broken intentionally and not out of not knowing things very intentionally. And while I know this is the right decision, every time I see it, I'm like, "Mm, cheat. I was like, the angle is different. (laughs) When we cut wide, we do get back to the right angles and we get a big, long live the queen. And you'd think this must be over. This must be what they want to end the season on, right? But no, we end on Morgana traipsing through the forest and them choosing to really upset me. And now I'm going to bring us all the way back to the day we watched Athusa get called forth from the dragon egg. And I made some veiled comments about how Merlin and Kilgara don't seem to have a plan for who's going to take care of this dragon and make sure it doesn't do stupid shit. 
And today, we reap the rewards and punishment of that decision because bad Athusa, bad little baby dragon, bad. Yeah. But uh, what I was like, oh no, is she going to have a dragon too? That's my question. Is this going to be her dragon? I hope not. So Sonia's, Sonia's looking at me like... I am just trying to have no expression at all. I don't want to give anything away. Like I asked her the dumbest question in the world. I'm just trying to be very, very stoic about what you're saying. I understand. It's just hilarious. <laughs> I ask a question and you're like, just blank. I mean, <laughs> I have to be because do you do you want me to tell you what happens? No, I don't. I actually don't. Well, okay, now you've done this to yourself and I have to put you on the spot. What do you think happens? Oh, God. I So I was thinking about this as I ponder several times about a show in my life. I was thinking about this and I don't know. I think they, yes, I think that they are going to have some kind of relation. But then I think about it. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys made such a huge deal about this being the last dragon, blah, 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 that they had to survive Survive to go to the bad side? Come on. This doesn't make any sense. Oh, I can I can feel the reactions of the listeners who've already seen this show. Just enjoying that feeling. Look, I have named the entire show of Merlin the way I've named every episode. Should I give you that title now or should I hold on to it for the end? No, you should hold on to it. It's okay. Okie dokie. Well, I blame Kilgara and Merlin for this because it is their fault. Kilgara because Merlin wasn't going to be able to raise a dragon in the castle. Although I understand he's the dragon lord, so he's kind of in charge of the dragons or whatever. But still, what was he supposed to do? That That's what I was getting. That's what I was going to get. I was like, hello, you enchanted one dragon. The other one is a baby. Should be easier. Yeah, but okay. How is Kilgara not babysitting this thing? They just let it go in the forest by itself. Bye. Look, I don't know. Maybe dragons are loners. They just live alone. They don't live with other dragons. Yeah, well, this one saved Morgana. And what if you're right? What if Morgana has a dragon now? Is that worth the price to pay? Right. Then you're like, you made the last dragon there, second to last dragon, survive. And then he's going to destroy everything that we've just fought for. We just finished this. Well... There's nothing else to be said for this episode. I mean, I do have one last thing to say. Where the fuck is Jeffrey of Monmouth? How dare they have a coronation without him? I thought that he was going to show up. He did not. Look, if Michael Cronin wasn't available on the day you filmed this scene, change the day you filmed this scene. Change the other 50 actors that filmed this scene to another day. Well, you know what? Yes, because I'm not sure that Arthur has the right to crown her Queen of Camelot. That's... Also, what I thought. How is this official? I was like, why are you placing the crown in her head? Also, Gaius is alive. So, there you go. Oh, yeah, Gaius made it. I mean, obviously, I knew it was never in the cards, but there is that one scene where they kind of make it seem like he might die. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm a physician. I've watched the cycle of life for my entire life. I'm not afraid of death. And I was like, don't. Stop talking. Save your energy. Yeah, shut up, old man. No, I don't want to hear any of this talk. And on that lovely note, that brings season four to a close. You thought we might not get back to Camelot. Yeah. Not only did we get back, we got Queen Gwen and they're married and, you know, everything's great. Fast forward a lot here. I figured that Morgana was not going to die last episode because there has to be some villain for the season five and they're not going to introduce 
I mean, an entire new villain alone, I think he would be paired with Morgana just because we need some kind of emotional already attached to the main villain of this story. So to me, it makes sense. I didn't really think that she was going to die. I didn't think that Agravain was going to die, but he did die. Helios died. Yeah, a lot of people died, but Morgana's still around. I mean, at this point, it's safe to tell you that Morgana is the central baddie and the foil to Arthur in the classic tale, so she has to stick around. Right. No spoilers about who's coming in next season, but there is a big chunk of the Arthurian tale left to tell, so we'll see who shows up. But since we're done with season four, did you watch the outtakes I sent you with our wonderful and now gone Nat Parker? So great. So great. One that really gets me is this this outtake of Nat watching. It's just him quietly watching Arthur talk. And then he starts the chant, long live the king. And then Nat paused for a second. He goes, and his uncle Agravine. So funny. I love that so much. My favorite blooper is of them carrying Arthur through the forest and tripping in the cave. (laughs) Uh, Tom Hopper falls down. Colin Morgan falls down. Bradley falls down. And I think Tommy Wall makes it out of there kind of clean. But kind of like he's like several feet ahead because he's just, do you know when you you stumble forward? You know when you're falling, but you're trying not to fall. That's what he does. Y'all should just go find that on YouTube if you have not. I would be surprised if you didn't. Uh, They're pretty great. If only because you can get some Nat Parker time in a way that makes you not hate him. What a season. We went from Uther being alive to Gwen being queen. (laughs) I was just going to say that. In the beginning of this season, Uther was alive. Wow. It's a huge season, but nobody knows that Merlin has magic yet. So... (laughs) There you go. But this two-parter did kind of bring Emrys to the front. Like, it's not just the old man disguised. Uh, we also got to see him in his young skin being Emrys. I think so, too, because he even says, that's what the druids call me. I think that he's claiming that title now. For the fir- I feel like he's claiming that title for the first time. Oh, totally. You're 100% right. There's that moment of saying that, and he takes full ownership of this. And he becomes terrifying and then kills Agravain. This is a huge... I forgot about this tiny dragon. So did they. Do you think that I remember that there has a second dragon roaming around? No, I did not. There's other things in my mind. I'm glad you forgot. That's how it should go. It should be a surprise. I'm like, oh, you're back? But she was so cute when she came and healed Morgana. Too bad because I was like, stop doing bad things, cutie pie. Anyway, that's, that's pretty much it. We're about to start the last season of Merlin. This is it, guys last season so exciting we'll see you for season five thanks for listening thank you